forever. Dog. Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of the Writers Panel. Well, we're getting into summer. It's June, July. How are things with you? I'm actually asking. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Ben Blacker. Let me know how you're doing. Um, a couple of things. First of all, this month was the first time um, that I've been back in the studio for a while. And I think you can hear it in the studio episodes that are coming out in the next couple of months. Uh, I'm like a little hype, a little giddy, a little weird. Um, so thanks to our engineer, Jordan Katz, who has been working on this show for the past six months or so, uh, who is really cleaning it up and making me sound good. Thanks, Jordan. Um, the other thing is, uh, that's been nice is the writing community has gotten together a few times, at least on my side of town, um, to like hang out and trade stories and, uh, talk to each other about how things are going. And it continues to be bad. The good thing is, um, I was glad to hear that a lot of lower level writers are getting opportunities. Um, they were, when I first saw, talked to them in March, uh, this group, this East Side group, I heard a lot of terror at people who had had their first jobs and were just horrified that they would n- never work again. Like that was it. And that has not been the case. A lot of the folks I've talked to have gotten their second jobs. Unfortunately, a lot of them have had to repeat staff level. There's a lot of that going around, and I hope it's something that you know the guild can address in the future. Um, I'm also hearing from a lot of upper-level writers that they are going from job to job, and they feel, if not secure, at least they are working. Uh, the problem seems to be with folks at my level, uh, mid-level writers, uh, the middle class of writers seems to have disappeared. And it's due to a whole host of problems in the industry, um, any of which are fixable, but all of which are going to take years to rectify. Um, you know, it's short orders, it's people hiring their friends, you know, it's harder to get read than it ever has been. Um, it's, you know, streamers and and um the pipeline of writers is being lost you know i think these writers these staff writers who are getting offered opportunities it's a great thing i'm really glad about it um but i'm afraid they're going to be lost once they start getting promoted too because we don't have 22 episode shows anymore and we don't have shows that run for more than a couple of years for the most part so those writers are not learning to produce episodes. They're not learning what it really means to be a producer-level uh, writer. And I'm afraid that means they'll be out of a job just as we mid-level writers are now. All of which bears addressing. All of which my friends in the guild tell me is being addressed, um, but it's going to be a fight and it's going to take time. So... The good news is I think everyone is up for the fight. The bad news is it does take time. Uh, Anyway, don't let this discourage you. Um, I think the conversations I've had in these past couple months on the podcast are really inspiring. Certainly they've inspired me, and I love the stuff I'm writing in a way that I haven't in a long, long time. So let that speak to you also. Uh, Do the work. You know, you can always write. And... Find a way to put it out in the world. I think that's really helpful. Don't let this stuff sit in a drawer. Do a reading, put up a show, do an audio series, whatever it is that you can do for yourself and with your friends just to hear your stuff out loud. Anyway, do you all know about this uh, other podcast I produce on a different network called Dead Pilot Society? Uh, In that podcast, which... um, I produced with a, a partner named Andrew Reich, who is a writer on Friends and many other shows. Um, we hold readings of pilots that were bought and developed but never produced. So oftentimes it's the writer's first time getting to hear their work performed. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Go check it out. Look up Dead Pilot Society, um, Dead Pilots Pod on Twitter. Um, it's on the Maximum Fun Network. 
this is not an advertisement. I just like that show and I want more people to listen to it. And I think listeners to this show will enjoy that one. You know what else you'll enjoy is Household Faces with John Ross Bowie. This is not an ad either. This is another show I produce. Uh, My friend, the actor John Ross Bowie, who you know from Big Bang Theory and Speechless, uh, is a tremendous (laughs) acting nerd. And we started a podcast last year in which he talks to character actors about the business and process of acting. It is very much a sister show to this one. We've had so many great guests, uh, including Alfred Molina and um, just so like everyone, Jim Beaver, Cedric Yarborough, Harold Perrineau, Malcolm Barrett, um, John Aston. that's Gomez Adams. We did like a 90-minute chat with Gomez Adams. That is, you got to check it out. That is called Household Faces. It's right here on the Forever Dog Network. Please give it a try. And for all of these, please let me know how you like them by leaving a review on iTunes. It's very helpful to us to get more advertisers, which I know some of you find to be uh, difficult to listen to, but you got a skip button. I don't care. Uh, But I need to get paid because all this stuff is a lot of work. Um, leave a review on iTunes uh, find me on Twitter let me know how you feel about these shows who you want to see on these shows what you are watching on television these days meantime please enjoy this episode they write they talk and talk about what they write tune in tonight or whenever the time is right it's the writer's panel with Ben Blacker and it's starting now oh yeah Thank you all for being here. Um, I'm a big fan of all of you. Uh, what I'd like to do is go around and ask you to introduce yourselves on your microphones so the listener knows what you sound like and tell us some places they may have seen your name on their television screen. Uh, and Akila, let's start with you, please. Okay. Hi, I'm Akila Green. I have written for a Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO for Yearly Departed on Amazon for Black Monday on Showtime. And I am currently on a Cool unannounced project for Apple. Great. Do you want to announce it today? <laughs> they make us use a code word. And so oh I my gosh, really? I the one. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, come back, bring the whole bring the whole staff. Wanted to get it announced. We'll talk about it. Hi, I'm Claudia Forestieri or Claudia Forestieri, if you want to pronounce it in Spanish. And uh, my first career was in Telemundo News as a reporter and producer. And I have written for Good Trouble, Selena the Series, and I'm now the EP and creator of Gordita Chronicle on HBO Max. Well, and when does Gordita uh, come out, Claudia? A week from today, June 23rd. Oh, terrific. Oh, congrats. congrats. Yay, congrats. Should we all just sit and watch it? Let's do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Pilar Golden. Pilar, please introduce um, yourself. I've been on shows like... Uh, the reimagined Gossip Girl, God Friended Me, The Oath, Hawaii Five O, and now I am the EP creator on Amazon's Beyond Black Beauty. Great, Great. congrats! congrats. Um, Thank you. You're also wildly successful. I kind of want to talk about um, like you have exciting things happening right now, and that's the stuff I want to start with. Um, so let's talk about that, like. You're all in different places uh, in production or pre-production, whatever it is in this stuff. So I just want to hear, like, what does the typical day look like for you? What's the day look like for a writer of your level right now? Um, And Akilah, let's start with you and we'll just go around again. Um, The show that I was on is now shooting in another country. And so... (laughs) Oh, my God. Which country? And I have not yet been invited. and so right now I am uh, actively pitching a TV show okay. that I've been working on, and I am writing a feature. That's exciting. So let's let's get into that for a sec, um, because I think this is something, especially now with like shorter orders and fewer weeks in the room, that like writers have a lot of downtime. <laughs> uh, and- Absolutely. Also with Zoom, I think, you know, yes. Zoom really has freed up my calendar where I, I worked on, I've been working on in Zoom rooms for the, since the whole pandemic began. And, 
you know, you cut out that commute, you cut out kind of the like three or four hours of us eating snacks and talking a little bit. And the room was four hours a day all of a sudden. And now I have time to write movies and try to sell TV shows and stuff, which has been awesome. So let's let's talk about that process. And and honestly, like anyone jump in as we go along and then we'll sort of loop back around. But like, when did you wrap the room, uh, Akira? Um, end of April. Okay, so it's been a couple months. And... Uh, did you know what was going to happen next? Did you try to staff in knowing that this room was ending or were you like, I got to work on my own stuff. And then what was sort of the backup from your reps or anyone else on that? Yeah. I mean, I worked pretty consistently throughout the pandemic because I was quarantined alone and had nothing else to do. And so I'm in a point, I'm at a point right now where I'm not interested in just like hustle, hustle, hustle. Also um, there's some, family matters that have happened in the last couple of months where I have to be at home in Houston with my mom and it has been difficult to work in a room. So it's, I'm grateful to have the freedom to kind of mm-hmm. write this movie at my own pace until things stabilize on that front. So, That's good. Um, so right now I'm not urgently trying to staff just because I literally cannot show up to a room every day. Sure. Were there conversations with your reps or anyone about like, I'm always interested in the, plans for pitching a show or or working on a feature or something like what kind of do you do a regroup and say like here's the stuff I want to work on how do we make it happen yeah I have a call with my reps at the beginning of every year where I just like these are the five things that I would like to accomplish this year and then also I have a thread with them that called opportunities and we just kind of discuss which ones this is like where all the information comes to. So it's all in one place. And it's like, oh, so-and-so wants you to do a rewrite or so-and-so is looking for somebody to develop this. And I just have particular things that I am interested in and then other things that I just, that they know that I don't want to do. And then also just like I've written at this point, late night sketch, cable network streaming. And so it's just a matter of like, what else am I trying to add to the resume? What gaps exist? That type of deal. And so, yeah, so we bet all of these opportunities, um, you know, based on on those conversations, and it's an ongoing conversation. Um, and you know, right now, I'm I really want to create and sell my own projects. That's sure, where I am at this, point. and that changes. That you know, by the end of the year, I'll be like, I want to be in a room. So, <laughs> so the goal is but- to be Aquila when we grow up. Oh no! You guys are EP creators right now. I want to hear what you guys are up to. Well, yeah, let's hear about it. Um, Claudia, with uh, Gordita Chronicles premiering today, uh, which means by the time this comes out, folks can watch at least a couple episodes. Um, where does that leave you? What What is the state of your life right now besides doing press? What is the state of my life? <laughs> um, I'm doing all sorts of brujeria. Uh, so we can get that season two. <laughs> and that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> it's the only um, way anymore. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, lighting candles, everything. And, um, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, no, I mean, actually for me, like, I feel like it's been nonstop. Um, during the pandemic, we developed the show. Um, we shot, the, started working on the pilot January 2021, started working on producing the pilot shot the pilot during COVID, they got greenlit, um, shot everything in Puerto Rico during COVID, and it's been nonstop. Also, we were very fortunate that um, we had an in-person room. So we had an in-person room um, last summer, creating season I'm two. I'm so jealous. And then, <laughs> huh? I said, I'm so jealous. You know, I have to give the credit to Brigitte um, Munoz-Libowitz, who was our showrunner season one, because she's like, we need an in-person room for comedy. We'll like make adjustments. So we, you know, instead of being in a conference room table, we had it like a big circle so we could stay six feet away from each other. And we wore masks and we took tests every week. So Sony really um, helped to accommodate us. And, and you know, because comedy, you have to like bounce things back and forth. And that was very important to Brigitte. And of course, I backed her up and, and, and we got it for the room for season one. And then we shot in Puerto Rico. Um, we had to, like, you know, wear masks and shields. We were testing three times a week. Thankfully, in Puerto Rico, uh, they took COVID really seriously. Um, and, I mean, you couldn't even go into CVS 
without showing your vaccination card and wearing a mask. That's how it was last fall. And, you know, no, we didn't have anybody get sick. And um, we came back at the end of the year. We started post. Uh, and then right when we were getting towards the end of post, HBO Max um, told us that um, they wanted us to have a season two mini room just in case, you know, I'm crossing both my fingers. Um, we have kids on our show. So they wanted us to get a head start with some of the episodes just in case we got that season to pick up because they were feeling good about the show. So we um, post-production overlapped with the mini room. And then I got promoted to co-showrunner for the mini room, which was wonderful. So it's it just been a nonstop train for us. We also did the mini room in person and, um, you know, testing once a week and, and whatnot. So it's been kind of crazy. Like I haven't really had a break. Um, I got COVID like right at the end of the mini room. So that was scary. And then um, as soon as I recovered, it was time to start promoting the show. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, I, I keep hearing pretty good things about developing with HBO Max. And it seems like it, you, you had some pretty smooth sailing here where like they trusted what you were doing with the show and they liked how things turned out. Were they, I don't want to say hands off, but was it a fairly smooth process? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, they were hands-on in a really wonderful way. So um, all the notes that they gave us throughout every stage of the process, you could tell they were such well-written notes, like, and, like, very well thought out. And it, it felt like they were, like, collaborators, not just executives. Because sometimes they pointed out things that, like, we didn't anticipate. And, you know, of course, most writers don't like getting notes. You hand in a script and you think it's like, it's perfect, it's brilliant. Like what's not to love? And then you get this email, it's like, ah. But um, with HBO Max, just from the get-go, like we've, um, our two executives, um, Allegra Newman and Nikki Reed, they were our development executives, but they're also our current executives. So they've been with the project ever since we pitched it. And um, they, I always, this was, you know, I got very lucky because this was the first show I ever pitched, which don't, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that so people will hate me. I'm saying that just <laughs> because it was like a learning curve every step of the way. It was everything was a first, every step. And um, so from what I've been told from other people, they're like, oh my God, it can be so difficult when you get all these notes. But with HBO Max, like, it just felt like whenever we had a difference of opinion, we, you know, me and Brigitte would have a conversation with them and, you know, we would get a deeper understanding of what they meant. and and then come up with some kind of like solution. So um, I've been very happy and I feel like they really get this family. Um, they they get um, what we're trying to accomplish with the show. And one thing also that pleasantly surprised me is when we were working on season one, I when I pitched the show, I, I talked about a few anecdotes about, because this is, a, Bonita Chronicles is inspired in part by my journey as a, you know, as an immigrant in Miami in the 80s. And um, so I had told them a couple of anecdotes and then we heard, you know, you do your pilot and uh, you try to do it as strong as possible. Obviously you want to start with a bang. And then when you get that pickup season two, it almost feels like there's more pressure than the pilot because if people watch the first episode, you want the second episode to be like maybe even better. So people keep watching the whole series. So for the second episode, we're like brainstorming. Oh my God, what do we do? And we weren't sure. We're like, that has to be bigger than the first one. And they're like, you know what? This is what HBO Max said, Nikki and Allegra. They're like, we remember an anecdote that Claudia told us about when she was first, you know, in Miami and getting in trouble for speaking Spanish in class. And um, so I was kind of like surprised. I'm like, oh, wow, you guys really, really wanted to like tell these like real stories and to go there. So, um, you know, it's been a very positive experience with HBO Max. That's great. <laughs> Uh, let's talk to Pilar. Where are you with Beyond Black Beauty at this point? Um, so we wrapped the room in January and we've sort of been in pre-prep since then. And now we start official prep on Monday in another country. Yeah. Um, we are going to be shooting primarily in north of Toronto and then also in Europe. Um, all right. So tell me about what your days look like these past couple weeks, basically since the room wrapped and the prep going on. And also you're going to have to pick up your life and go up there for production. Um, it's been a lot of, I'm currently in the process of rewriting the 12 scripts. I mean, 
production has always said that we have the luxury of having all of the scripts. And so the crew uh, gets an opportunity to see the arc of the show. That being said, I have some trimming to do. <laughs> so I'm currently rewriting and I'm also packing and I'm also casting and I'm also hiring editors. And, you know, it's sort of nonstop sort of building. Once it leaves the writer's room, it's awesome to watch how much it grows. You know, you need to add all the key creatives who build the show. Yeah, let's talk about that for a sec. I mean, I was looking at you started you started out as an assistant, is that right? I did uh, on a couple of shows, and then having worked on um, Hawaii Five O and Godfriended Me and some others and uh, some other stuff. Have you gotten production experience through those shows? I know that's a rare thing these days. It is a rare thing. Um, luckily, I grew up in network television. A lot of my assisting was in network television. So I got production experience there. But I got my first production experience as a writer on God Friend of Me. Um, we shot that in New York. And um, I was lucky enough to be able to produce quite a few episodes. Um, and just being able to see, see it all come to life and you know, understand the showrunner's vision and how they're going to operate in post-production, knowing which takes they're going to use, I became valuable. And now I'm taking that experience with me to Canada. That's great. Um, and I'm curious, I, want, I kind of want to hear from all of you who have worked, um, like produced episodes. The thing that sort of terrifies me is like, knowing what all these moving parts are. You know, like there are so many departments and there are so many people who do so many specialized things that are, are things I couldn't even think of unless you see it happen. How do you start to learn that stuff? Uh, anyone who wants to jump in who, who has been in production, please do. Well, I'll just say for me, you know, I'll just speak for the God Friend of Me experience. I was coming in as one expert. And I think if you treat the job as like there are many experts who are adding value to the show, I just got into the position of asking questions. What do you do? What does that mean? How does that help? Um, I think being curious about other people's jobs is the way to go. Because truthfully, at the end of the day, if you're the writer on set, then you're also the writer in post-production. And then you can you can speak to the experience. Why? Oh, this is what happened. And this is why we did it this way. That makes sense. For me, I think it's just exposure. You know, just the, just being on set, getting comfortable. There's set etiquette, you know, and just like where to stand and what seat not to sit in and what time you need to be wherever. Um, well, let, let me stop you there. What are those things? Oh, <laughs> listen, uh, you know, how to get out of the way when people are yelling points. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the writers have seats, the director has a chair, the actors have an area, like get out of the actor's area, let them kind of do their process and warm up and whatever. And don't, you know, there's a certain time where it's appropriate to give notes and talk to them. And, you know, it's typically not right when they're about to go do the <laughs> line, you know, or, or if they like that. Some of it is just getting to know the actor. There's also just protocol when it comes to the director and making sure you're following kind of chain of command when interacting with the actors. Um, so a lot of it is just like observing and getting those hours. I know a lot of people complain about the new kind of Zoom and mini room and, and as a result, writers aren't getting a lot of like time and it's really important. I have been fortunate um, that I've worked with some really great showrunners who were just like, stick by me. When I was like, you know, not yet a producer, just stick by me and watch what I do. and. You know, so much of it is like there's the technical skill of it, but there's also just like setting the tone and, and you know, making sure that set is not a toxic place and that, you know, there's no yellers and, you know, that type of deal. All of that is really helpful to learn from a, a great showrunner who will take that time to let you kind of shadow them. Yeah. And truthfully, and that's, that's key, creating creating a tone for set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not, not syncing up the place because... You know, you've got a job to do and Everybody there has a job to do and everybody is looking at that clock. And, you know, we know that, you know, you can only go so much time. So, like, you're not the only person with a job to, to do on the set. And just make sure that, like, you're you're it's a team and we're all working toward the same goal, which I think 
it sounds very instinctive. <laughs> you're like, we're not all on the same page about this. <laughs> you would hope. Um, Claudia, what was your experience on sets? I mean, you, you sort of came up producing and, and uh, producing news, right? So you had that language already, but yes. narrative is a, a different animal. Totally. So in news, I learned some very important lessons and translated. For example, when I was like a young reporter in the Bay Area, like um, I never cared about, well, not never. At the beginning, I was, you know, very ambitious. I wanted to cover all the news. I heard something on the scanner. I'm like telling my cameraman, let's go. And he's like, oh, it's lunchtime. I'm like, no, we're going to go cover the news. So I learned early on how important lunch breaks are <laughs> because it's like those days that my camera didn't get a lunch break like it's like my video will come out out of focus or he wouldn't tell me the spinach in my teeth so like <laughs> I learned quickly and yeah those those lessons translated and then um you know because a lot of um the second show I worked on also shot in another country Selena shot two seasons in Baja California and I didn't get to be on set so before Gordita, um, I had only been on set for an episode that I had written on Good Trouble, um, which I'm so grateful for the opportunity because I, I did learn a lot of like, oh my God, okay, these things are similar to news, these things are not. Like uh, like Akila mentioned, like, you know, the hierarchy on set and what you sit and, and the etiquette and all that. So I got a preview of that. And then in Puerto Rico, thankfully, I had Bridge, um, who had so much on-set experience with comedy and and she was just amazing and I learned from her like how to behave with the directors because you know we had almost um yeah there were two women who directed two episodes and other than that we had different directors for every episode so just kind of like how to work with them and how to talk to the actors that was like really important and I learned a lot from Bridge like Bridge was like the, the child actor whisperer like she knew what to tell our our star of our show, Olivia, it's her first job acting ever. Like she had never even done a commercial. Yeah. So like Brigitte like got really good at like being able to interpret things for her. Like she will whisper something in her ear, like like subtext. Like there's this word in, in Spanish that it literally means dirty. But when you when you call a woman that, it's the biggest insult. It's sucia. It's not a bad word. You don't have to bleep it out. But it's sucia. And she was trying to get um, Olivia to say a line to her sister with that same kind of like, you know, disdain. And she's like, even though the line said was something like, oh, you're, you're crazy. She's like, you're saying you're crazy, but really what you mean is you're a sucia. And then Olivia, like as soon as Brigitte said that word, her face went, and she totally got it. And then she delivered the line perfectly and we were able to move on. So working with children also is very challenging because um, we have a limited amount of hours. So it adds like another challenge. So Puerto Rico, we had tons of challenges on set. We had the weather, we had the shorter hours, we had newer cast members. We had, you know, it, it was a lot um, of things happening. Um, and yet, I think it, it sounds like you got to make the show that you guys set out to make, which is so exciting. And I saw the trailer the other day. It looks so yeah. good. It looks so, it looks good. so good. Thank you, Valar. <laughs> I can't wait to um, watch. Now I'm scared that they did such a good job with the trailer that people are going to disapp be disappointed when they see the show. <laughs> you know? Listen, by, by the time this comes out, we're going to know that it's not only been picked up for the second season, but three or four more seasons after Love that. It. So. Oh, my God. I hope so, Ben. We'll put that out there. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank um, you. Before we do talk about pitching, um, you mentioned working with directors, uh, Claudia, and I want to talk to both Akila and Pilar about that as well. Um, Pilar, let's talk about um, On Beyond Black Beauty conveying the intentions of you, the creator, and the room to these directors who are now coming on board to shoot these episodes. What does that process look like? So I asked my producing partners, um, for a series director. It was my experience on God Friended Me. We had a series director for the entirety of the season, and that seemed to sort of like really set the tone for set, especially since the writers were in Los Angeles and set was in New York. Um, and for me, just it being my first show, loving to have a collaborator and a director, especially since our show is, you know... <laughs> 
driven by Black narratives, going to be Black cowboys. It's got a lot of moving pieces that will feel new. So um, my series director is Alicia K. Harris, and we've just been talking at nauseum about the material. And I think it's just starting with conversation, starting with what was my intention for these characters? What was the intention for a specific storyline. Um, and then we have two guest directors who will have the same conversations, but it'll also include Alicia. And the great part is that these guest directors will be shooting three episodes. So even though they're guest directors, they'll still feel like a fabric of the show. That's really cool. Um, that sounds like a terrific approach, especially for this model where there is no onset, you know, producer other than yourself. I think that's really smart. Um, and and tell me a little bit about before we move on about sharing your vision. I, I mean, I feel like this is something a lot of new writers worry about when they bring in collaborators. But this is a collaborative medium, right? And it's not about giving something away. It's about bringing someone in, right? Yes, I feel like I'm about to sound corny, but. <laughs> One of the reasons why I got into television is because of the families that you create. You know, because I grew up on network television, you have this possibility of being on a show for four, five, six, however many years. And so there are friends that I still have from my days as an assistant 15 plus years ago. And so for me, <laughs> every job that I have, I try to create that same sort of familial experience because you're spending so much time together. And from a creative standpoint, you know, because this is such a collaborative business, as a writer, sometimes it's hard to sort of unleash and let go of the material. But really, the minute that you do, it's like so many more creative people bringing a vision to the table that you would have never thought of. I do think it's so interesting because this business is sometimes driven by ego, but the way that it flourishes is without ego. Perfectly put. Absolutely. Akhil, I wanted to ask about working with directors on some of the non-narrative stuff that you've worked on. Like... Um, like a Black Lady sketch show, like Yearly Departed, uh, like the John Legend, uh, yeah. <laughs> the John Legend, Legend yeah. Chrissy Teigen Christmas. How do you and the staff work you with know, a good comedy director? It's interesting. The hierarchies are a little bit different on those types of non-narrative shows. And so there's not as much distance, I would say, between you and the director and the EPs. And like the rooms tend to be much smaller. So like, you know, two or three of us wrote this entire show. We're the ones who kind of like it came out of our heads. We know what it's supposed to look like. We know what those conversations sure. look like. And so I feel often like we have more, even more authority on those shows to kind of work with the director and explain what the vision is and that type of deal. Um, and so it's been a very positive experience. And that's where I got most of my you know experience before I switched over to scripted and narrative. Um, and I've worked with some incredible directors and on those shows, I think they're used to working with different budgets and shorter time frames, and so like they go, 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 and we get it done, and it's, it's always been fun and easy. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. All right, that's really interesting. Um, okay, I do want to pivot to talk about pitching for a minute, and Claudia, you mentioned the learning curve. I can't believe this is the first show you've pitched. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Tell, um, well, tell us about it. So, um. I wrote Gordita Chronicles, believe it or not, it started off as a one-hour dramedy um, in 2016, and I, I wrote it in part, there were two motivators for it. One was all the anti-immigrant sentiment that was going around in 2016, and then the other part was I have been trying to get staffed um, on a show for seven years, and I, I had done the NBC Writers on the Verge program, and I still hadn't gotten staffed, I was working in news. And, you know, you always get the advice, write what you know. But then, um, you know, more specifically, I got the advice, write a script that only you can write. Um, and also, all my life, like, people were sometimes, like, confused by me because I'm, like, you know, I'm biracial, and then I have an Italian last name, and then I have, like, a funny accent. And it's, like, Claudia Forcieri, what? What is that? And you're Dominican, what? You, 
So like, I'm like, okay. And then also my other little quirk is like, I'm chubby, but like, I'm always still obsessed about my weight. And one day I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't care. I'll eat what I want. The next day I'm like eating lettuce. Cause it's like, oh my God, I talked to like a Dominican relative who's like, you're not going to get married because you're not thin. So anyway, um, I, I, yeah, I wrote a script. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a script. Like I said, an introduction into Claudia and like explaining all my neuroses. So that's how the script started out. I wrote this one, uh, one hour. It had funny moments. Um, you know, it had a heartfelt moment at the end, et cetera. And that's what got me staff on Good Trouble. And then um, I was looking for a job after Good Trouble. And my agent sent it. So she knew I also had half hours. Like, um, she sent two scripts to uh, Frank Ochoa at Sony, uh, who's a comedy exec. And when he recorded that, he's like, have you ever thought about pitching this as a show? Like, I think if you're willing to turn it into a half hour comedy, um, family comedy, that it could sell. And I was like, I will turn this into a musical procedural if you think it will sell. Are you kidding me? So then that's where it started. And then I teamed up with um, Josh Berman and Chris King who had, um, you know, Josh is the creator of Drop Dead Diva, which was also a show about with a plus size protagonist. And um, he really knew what he was doing with pitches. And um, he has a great track record selling shows. And he was instrumental in guiding that pitch and making sure it was perfect. And um, I, I must have done like maybe 30 different versions of the pitch, like always getting tighter and shorter and funnier and punching it and this and that. And um yeah, so we sold it to HBO Max. Before HBO Max even knew what it was going to be called. So I feel like we got in, like, right in there. Like, I came home and I told my husband, like, oh, you know, um, HBO streaming service is interested in, you know, the, the kids and family division. And he's like, what does an HBO kids and family show look like? I mean, do they have, like, little swords and little, like, <laughs> right. dragons? Like, what is that? Like, but... You know, thankfully, we, we figured out what you can do, you know, like on an HBO Max kind of like kids and family show. So, um, yeah, you're helping to define what that is. That's really cool. I know. I know. And um, so the good thing was, since I come from news, I was used to pitching shorter format because in news, you go in, you have a meeting every morning editorial and you got to come in with two, three, four, five ideas and you can't be too emotionally attached to them and you have to be able to communicate it um, succinctly and also add that emotion to it. Um, and so I had that experience from news and, you know, I, I drink too much Cuban coffee, so I'm very animated and I think all that helped. And I had like Glenn Adelman too, um, who's amazing um, at Sony and he's very funny and he also gave me great notes and like coming from news I feel like that helped me figure out how to take a note and how to interpret it to make something better and yeah I, I think it's also like the right project at the right time there's always some of that but you know I think also you had it sounds like the way that you told the story and, you know, obviously your personal connection to the story and having these folks around you who could sort of put you front and center to tell this story in the way you wanted to tell it really spoke to people. Like they, they responded because of the material and because of you. That's ultimately what it comes down to, right? Um, I want to jump over to Akila and, and who I, I imagine you also being a very funny person, um, are a good good at pitching. Um, am I am I guessing correctly? I, you know, the feedback I've gotten is that I'm good at pitching, but I don't like it. Which and nobody loves it. I mean, you're you're like for your summer, <laughs> but I mean, before this, I was a lawyer lobbyist in D.C. and like the whole game is just pitching and it's over drinks and over dinner. So like, I know how to do it and I'm used to it, and it's still the least my least favorite part of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, at my first show, I sold in a general, just like, and the wow. network was like, we want what? in studio. It didn't get picked up though. <laughs> so, like, still yeah. sold it. And so, but you still, know, first, that's a great general. My first one, yeah. uh, you know, it just, I was like, oh, is this it? <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> and that is what I've learned. <laughs> it has not happened that way since. Um, and so, you know, like, and then we're doing it over Zoom. I've never done it any other way. Um, I have I haven't had the experience of pitching pre-pandemic, um, and you know so like 
especially if you're showing graphics, you share the screen, you can't see anybody's faces anymore, which you know, it's just, it's yeah. a very weird, you know, and then I get off and I'm physically depleted. Like I just have like slumped over. <laughs> it's taken everything out of me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's funny seeing everyone nod at that. Like, <laughs> I don't think we ever talk about that, but it is exhausting. It is because you're Either, whether it's in person, you're or performing. That's why like you just had a baby. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I haven't now had I children, it but it feels for sure, <laughs> for sure. I think too in this. But, I'm sorry, just in this sort of like age in in pitching in Zoom, there are plus and minuses. The plus is that like you don't see their faces. So you don't see that they're not interested and you can just keep, you can just keep going, keep going, keep going. But the, the downside is the sort of like missing the kinetic energy you get in the room from them responding to the material. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Pilar, tell us a little bit about pitching, um, whether it's beyond black beauty or something else that you've pitched um, about that process. I also hate it. <laughs> but um nobody like <laughs> no you know i i feel like the pitching process um for me the way that i've sort of like learned how to sort of stomach it is pretend like you're talking to your friends and mm -hmm. so my pitching has become more conversational um and i not purposefully but i'll make sure that like I mess up a little bit, like humanize myself um, because I want it to feel like a natural flow. Um, but usually I start from a place of like, why do I want to tell this story? And then go from there. Um, and that's, that's usually worked out for me. I mean, it's been a no for a really long time. And then luckily... <laughs> So maybe I need to switch up my tactics, but, um, you know, luckily with Beyond Black Beauty, it was already sort of greenlit at Amazon and they were just looking for writers to bring a concept to life. Um, so when I was hired, I didn't have the pressure of, will they pick this show up? It was just sort of like, well, they like this take. Well, they like this version. And thankfully because it came from a natural place. I just poured my, much like Claudia, poured myself into it. Um, and there haven't been many road bumps in this process. <laughs> just a few, not many. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's still, it's, it, it's a, a, a never ending process, right? Like you're pitching your take or, or if you're in a room, especially a comedy room where like those are so collaborative and you're pitching jokes and you're pitching plot stuff and character stuff, like this is part of the job, right? Pitching your ideas and communicating your ideas is part of the job. And I do think it only gets better by doing it. Um, although as Claudia and Akila pointed out, like having that background in something else where you have to present you know, I used to teach and that helped with pitching. Uh, and even doing this podcast has helped with pitching. Like that stuff where you have to communicate your ideas really helps. One one thing that I'm working on and I have, I, I don't know that I've mastered it yet, but it's like, I try to tell myself that I proceed as though they're loving everything that I'm saying, regardless if they're deadpan, turn the computer off or something. <laughs> yeah. I just proceed as though what I just said was so funny and they agree. <laughs> You laugh. That's a good strategy. It, 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 you know it's what I mean? Because really otherwise, like you get one kind of like deadpan when it should have been a joke, and then suddenly your mood starts to slide, and then you less energy, and you're quieter until you're like, I just want this to be over. And I'm like, no, this is a hilarious thirty minutes. <laughs> you're gonna love it. And so I'm working on trying to do that. I do think it kind of keeps the energy up. Um, and I think that that is something that's about confidence, right? Uh, and I wonder if there is a predisposition towards lack of confidence among writers. And I also wonder if that's changing. Like, I feel like the writers who I've met who have kind of come up in the past five or seven years are a different breed of writer than we had when I, even when I started this podcast, which was like 12 years ago, when it was like a lot of really sad you know, middle-aged white comedy male writers. But like, 
even even those you know middle-aged comedy writers now seem to have a different disposition have you all found this as you've made your way through the business i still have some of that old school self-loathing and inferiority <laughs> complex over here keep it alive <laughs> i grew up in the 80s yeah. yeah. Maybe this generational. Yeah, I, I don't Yeah. I don't I like I I haven't been at it long enough to know exactly what that group is, but I've always heard that like writers are introverted and you know they just want to like they don't have great people skills. They just want to be in front of their notepad or their laptop, you know, like the writer in the cabin in the woods, you know, just kind of, you know, strumming their pain. <laughs> yeah. And I have not noticed that. And I'm also in comedy and a lot of my Writer friends are also stand-ups and improv people and performers. And I think also with social media, everybody's kind of their own boss and an entrepreneur and they're selling a brand and there's a lot, there's so much self-promotion going on. I also think um, when writers had to fire their agents a couple of years ago, we all kind of had to get out there and show a little leg to get our own talent. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the people who were like, I'm shy, like that doesn't work. I always tell people like, you have to, one, be good at writing. So when people ask you, like, can I see something? It's good. But also, people have to know who you are. And I know networking sounds like such an icky word, but it's like, if nobody knows you, nobody's hiring you. So, you know. I know. And that's the hard part. Yeah, I think that's really nice. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us about it, Pilar. Like, honestly, I, I had heard Claudia's name. I had heard Akila's name for years. I never knew your name, Pilar. It's crazy. And listen, there are there are hundreds of writers that I don't know, but there are also hundreds who I do know. So tell me about why networking is so terrible, why it's so hard, and how what you have done to help yourself. I, I think a little bit is, you know, I sort of grew up in the old age of television as well. And so um, I was groomed to understand the latter, meaning you start out as an assistant and then maybe you're given a script and then you're a staff writer and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And for the most part, my career has been that way, but also has had a lot of stagnant periods. You know, I'm a person of color, I'm a woman. And so I had to repeat staff writer three times. And I, I think there are so many career lows that you get punched a little that it's hard to network while you're getting punched. Um, I think also because I consider this such a collaborative business and want to turn every experience to a, into a family experience, that networking feels like transactional. Whereas like, I'd love to create a relationship <laughs> Um, and find a connection from, you know, with another person and, and it's sort of be mutually beneficial for a long term versus like, I need something in the moment, yeah. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I also, and I, yeah, I understand that. Instinct. I also don't know how to use social media. So that's, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I am so bad at it. I posted a photo by mistake with my like <laughs> face cut off. But also, yeah. Pilar, you, you said that you started as an assistant like 15 years ago. Yeah. And the world has changed so much just in the last five to seven years. We're like, you were out here in the wild, wild west when they weren't hiring women, people of color, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. held on. <laughs> and, and, you know, I did. I was like, don't leave me. me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I, I came out here maybe nine years ago and like even the first three years it was just like oh yeah people still like all the rooms are still white guys and that just started changing so i understand you know yeah, yeah. you have to have that tenacity um in, in a lot of ways uh, i want to wrap up by asking as we always do what are you watching on television these days? What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your friends, with your uh, loved ones? Um, and anyone who wants to jump in first, go ahead and jump in. I'm obsessed with hacks. It's, it's becoming unhealthy, the obsession. And um, <laughs> I love 90 Day Fiance. Yes. Which is, I know, <laughs> I like the family Chantel because it's like a show about it. Also, like, it shows the Dominican Republic a lot, which is wonderful. And uh, what other shows? The Staircase. I love the dropout. I was like, you know, Elizabeth Merriweather can do drama too. I mean, who yeah. knows? So, um, yeah, that's what I'm watching. Those are good ones. Um, I want 
Uh, Akila, I watch a lot of Real Housewives because I'm a trash heap. Uh, but that Thank you, Akila. I watch most consistently. Um, I love Chad on TBS, which I just discovered, mm-hmm. and which I don't even know if it's coming back, and I don't know how I just discovered it. It's hilarious. American Auto is cracking me up. It's so good. Um, and then Succession. I like Succession a lot. Yeah. These are good ones. And I'll say, uh, there's no shame in 90 Day Fiance or any Real Housewives. They come up every time oh, I ask you. people. Thank you. Like the things yes. you like. Uh, Pilar, what um, do you want to I also am a Bravo queen, so I'm loving Real Housewives of Dubai and Married to Medicine okay. and Below Deck right now. Um, oh but I also have a habit of returning to television. So my go-to, especially when, when I need comfort, is... Um, Friday Night Lights, The Nanny is what I'm watching right now. Love me, Fran Drescher. Um, and I just started, and I'm going to butcher the name of the show, the Andrew Garfield's new Hulu show. I just started that last Andrew night. The Banner of Heaven or something like that. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, yes. A name I can't remember, but it's, it is. It is. It good? I haven't it's, watched, I'd it. watched the first two episodes yesterday, and he's really good in it. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'll check it out. Thanks. Uh, Always good to get a recommendation. Thank you all so much for being here. You are all delights. Let's do this again, please. I don't care if you have something to talk about. Maybe you just want to talk about TV. Come back anytime. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. All right. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.